5, and we're looking at the last two verses. We have gone six months going through uh, 1 Peter, and I hope you've been blessed. On Wednesday nights, we're still reviewing what we're going through, so we'll be in that a couple more weeks, so I encourage you uh, to come. We've got something for youth and children. It's all at uh, 7 o'clock, and so uh, if we review the things we've been going over on Sunday morning. Um, next week, we'll take a little break. I'm going to do a little different sermon, and then we're going to get into the book of Jude. Hope, I don't know if it'll take the rest of the whole year, but I encourage you to read the book of Jude, and then we'll cover that on Wednesday nights, too, after we get done reviewing First Peter. Um, I entitled the sermon, Last Words, and I don't know if you've ever been around somebody that was dying or you saw them for the last time, and it's a lot of times their last words are very important, and they kind of burn in your mind, and, and we struggle sometimes what to say. Now, it may, it may not be dying, but a lot of times we don't realize, hey, this is the last time we're going to see somebody, and, and uh, you don't know what to say, and uh, sometimes we struggle to hear them and, and to do the last words, and Peter here is giving the last words from his first epistle here. And we can choose not to grow. And he, he started this book with grow and multiply in grace and peace. And we're going to see here at the end, he says, grow and multiply with grace and peace. And we struggle sometimes to choose not to grow and choose to let the world just push us around. And the, the devil tries and we can choose to look at whatever's going on and to listen and to look at the winds and waves of the storms that are in life or to grow and to focus in grace and peace of Christ. Um, my action statement for you today is continue to grow in grace and peace. Continue to grow in grace and peace. And your points are going to spell out the word grow. And so we're going to look at and review um, and conclude today, and next week, like I said, we'll take a break and then go into Jude. And, and um, so kind of summarizing, first of all, I think we could summarize Peter, First Peter, as hope in hurtful times, and I hope this has helped you out a lot. I mean, he's talking to first century Christians, and, you know, I feel like whatever's going on, somebody stepped on the gas, you know, in the last few, week, uh, few years, but... There's a lot of things that are stressful. There's a lot of things that are hurtful if you live long enough. And you've got to have hope and choose to have hope. And through Christ, we can have an unwavering hope. I think that's the theme of 1 Peter. I think we would agree with that. And he doesn't uh, skirt around the fact that we're going to suffer. And it's not focusing on the suffering or making light of the suffering, but focus on the Savior. Suffer for the right reasons. Don't suffer for the wrong reasons. And again, like I said, you see in 1 Peter uh, chapter 1, verse 2, you don't have to go there, but obviously if you're there, but he says in the last part of verse 2, may grace and peace be multiplied to you. That means to abound in you. And that you'll con and we see that when we get into Jude. In Jude, in verse 2, he says, may mercy, peace, and love be multiplied to you. Obviously, they're... For us Christians, that's something that we're going to need, God's grace to be saved, God's grace to live this life, and His peace to endure. And so the goal is to continue to grow in grace and the peace of God. And your first fill-in, the goal is to continue to grow and multiply. 
to grow and multiply in grace and peace. You got some of those. You've gone real quick. All right. Uh, grace and peace in our life. That's kind of hard because one, maybe if we haven't received God's grace, how can we give grace? And it's unmerited favor, undeserved, and we need grace and we need to extend grace to others. And then we need to understand what Jesus said, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. And he gives us his peace. And we need to understand what godly peace and hate to say it, but godly peace is not the absence of suffering and it's not the absence of trouble. It's the 23rd Psalm that God is with you. And this is not how it ends. So we need to grow and multiply. That's pretty evident. And we see this as we look back at 1 Peter in verses, uh, we don't have to go with the verses, but verses 1 through chapter, uh, chapter 2, verse 12, we see a living hope. And chapter 3 and 4, hold to the hope by clinging to the word and live as pilgrims, as strangers and aliens in this world and be holy uh, in an unholy world. And then chapters 4 and 5, we're called to suffer uh, for and serve the uh, Savior and and we don't endure it alone. We're called to stand firm in the grace of God. And then that brings us to the last three verses, 12 through 14 of chapter 5 of 1 Peter. By Silvanus, a faithful brother, as I regard him, I have written briefly to you, exhorting and declaring that this is the true grace of God. Stand firm in it. So who is at Babylon, who is likewise chosen, sends you greetings, and so does Mark, my son. Greet one another with the kiss of love and peace to all of you who are in Christ. So first of all, let's look at the audience, and we see that, and not I'm talking about here, but what, who Peter is writing and closing this letter to. And we see in verse 12, By Silvanus, a faithful brother, as, regard, as I regard him, I have written briefly to you, exhorting and, and declaring that this is the true grace of God, stand firm. Silvanus, or Silas, and Silas and Justice, two of my boys, uh, they're named after Paul's faithful followers and people that followed. And we hear uh, he's using Sylvanius. And I didn't name my son Sylvanius. His name is Silas. But, you know, he was a Roman citizen, a companion of the Apostle Paul on several of his missionary journeys. And you see in, in Acts, um, we, we see in Acts chapter 15, then it seemed good to the apostles and the elders with the whole church to choose men from among them and send them to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas. And they sent Judas called Bar. Uh, uh, Barsabbas and Silas leading men among the brothers. So he was a companion. He was a follower of Christ. And notice what Peter is saying to him. Um, faithful. He is trustworthy. He's continuing in the faith. And he's a brother. So he's talking about the family of God, those that have entered the family of God through salvation through Jesus Christ. And he's exhorting them. He's encouraging them. To, and, and he's also testifying to them and saying, look, you need to stay true. You need to be real. And, you need, and through the grace of God, through the joy of God. And it's hard to be joyous in tough times. And this is why I think we try to use the word happy. Happy, I don't think necessarily fits in the Christian life. Joy does. Peace does. But we've defined them wrong. It doesn't mean, again, the absence of trouble or the absence of even sadness, but the joy of the Lord knowing that there's more than what you're going on in your life right now, that God has more and it doesn't end this way. And so he's, we see here a faithful brother 
And he's telling him to continue to be real in the grace of God and the joy of God. And this is a common command to believers because in Acts 11, verse 23, he said this, when he, when he came and saw the grace of God, he was glad and he, he exhorted them all to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose. You might want to write that one down, Acts eleven twenty three, 23. To remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose. I don't know that Christians are falling by the wayside more than any time in the 2,000 plus years, but it feels like it. And I really think we're not that people are now not becoming Christians, but I don't think you lose your salvation. You have to ask the question, have you ever came to Christ? And so when pressure and persecution, persecution thins and also grows the church. We see this in the first century. But I, th I see through the different things that we're being challenged with in our society, especially in America, I think there's a thinning and we'll see the real true church of God. And so we need to remember we need to remain faithful like Silas did. And we need to, uh, with our steadfast purpose. This word purpose is talking about in the Old Testament when they had the temple and they had the showbread and the bread represented, one, the 12 tribes of Israel, but also the presence of God. And so when he's saying here purpose, I exhort them all to remain faithful, to be trustworthy, to continue in the faith to the Lord with steadfast purpose, showing Christ in our life, showing the presence of God in our life. Notice he says, stand. That means in place. And we talked about last week in Exodus 14, 14, you have only to be silent and the Lord will be with you. You know, when all, and Ephesians chapter uh, 6, when all you can do is stand, guess what? Stand. And we're standing on the rock. Don't try to stand on your own strength. Don't try to stand on your own wisdom. But stand on the rock of Jesus Christ. And he says, you'll be established in the gospel message. See, here's the deal. A lot of us are trying to stand on our knowledge. A lot of us are trying to stand on history. A lot of us are trying to, uh, trying to stand on our heritage or our, our financial means, our family or whatever, and all that will fall without God. Here's what I'm standing on. I'm saved by grace because of Jesus Christ, period. And that's what we need to stand. And when all we can stand, if Jesus can't handle it, then we just need to go home. 1 Corinthians 15.1 says this, Now I will remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and which you stand. I want to help you with the gospel because the gospel is getting muddy in our society. The gospel is this, and you can see that I always get my seconds and first mixed up. You'll figure it out, but I think it's 2 Corinthians 15, verses 3 and 4. Christ uh, died for our sins as in accordance with Scripture. Christ was buried for our sins, and Christ rose from the dead in accordance to Scripture. And then we see in Romans, if we confess from our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that Christ has risen from the dead, thou shalt be saved. And on, on Romans, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Let me help you to understand what the gospel of Jesus Christ is. It's the fact that man is broken, that man is stuck and headed to hell. God, Christ came in the form of a man lived a perfect life, died, buried, and rose again. And if you choose to accept his payment for your sins, you can be saved. And I want to help you with this. It's Christ plus nothing. Your works won't save you. Extra stuff won't save you. Your family can't save you. Their heritage can't save you. Christ alone. 
And you need to stand in that. And so that's what he's talking about here, established in the gospel. Because we have been, Romans 5, 1 and 2 says this, Therefore, since we've been justified by faith when you receive Christ, that's, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him we have been, we also obtain access by faith in the grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. So let's go back to this. This is Romans 5, verses 1 and 2. Verse 1 says this, So when you receive Christ, you're justified. You're made right. So when God sees you, he doesn't see your sin. He sees Christ. So we're justified by faith in what Christ has done. And so when we're made right with God, guess what? We have peace with God. He's not against us, and we're not against him. And it's all through Jesus Christ. That's the core of the gospel. But verse 2 goes on to this. Uh, we've obtained access to God by trusting what Christ has done and by the grace of God. We all deserve death and hell. But God said, I'm giving you grace. Christ paid for that, and if you choose his payment, and we can stand and rejoice in that hope. I would encourage you this week to go back to Romans 5, verses 1 and 2 and review that, but this is the grace that you stand in. I'm saved by what Christ has done, and so we need to remember that. So this encourages believers. It testifies the glory that... Uh, of uh, the, uh, the grace of the one true God, that we're supposed to stand fast in grace and receive the reward of grace and the glory of Christ. And so your next fill-in, to continue to grow in grace and peace, we have to remain faithful. And it's not like, I'm good enough, I've got to stay good enough, because Ephesians, uh, Ephesians uh, 2, 8, 9 says, we're saved by grace, not by works, lest any man should boast. And I can't stay faithful on my own but I, I know one that is faithful, and we've got to hold to him like a little child holds to their parent. And so to continue to grow in grace and peace, we have to remain faithful. And we see this in Silvanus and Silas, that he was a faithful follower. But it's hard to remain faithful alone. Look at verse 13. So, who is, so she who is at Babylon, who is likewise chosen, sends you greetings and also does mark my son. Babylon. There's a lot of theories, but Babylon was basically a code for probably Rome, and this was probably Christians in Rome, and at that time, depending on who the emperor was, I'd have to research, but it could have been Nero, and Nero was a really bad guy, and he did a lot against Christians, and Christians were considered a cult, because there was everybody believing everything, but Christians, because we go to the Lord's Supper, and when Jesus said, unless you eat of my flesh and drink of my blood, you cannot be a part of the kingdom of God. And they thought Christians were cannibals. We're talking about the Lord's Supper. And we understand that. But Christians were persecuted. And so in a way, my guess, we could go to different scholars. In a way, he's talking to a believer in Rome, and he, don't, he doesn't want to identify them. But he's sending greetings. And notice, so does Mark, my son. Uh, John Mark, we have the book of Mark, which I think Mark was really writing the gospel for Peter. And then we know of Mark with Barnabas and Paul that Paul and Barnabas got into it over Mark because he wasn't faithful. And at that point, I'm not going to say he was a mama's boy, but he wanted to go home or it was too rough. I think Paul would be a hard person to minister with. You know, he'd tell you how the cow eats the cabbage, you know, and... and I mean, because you go to Galatians and you got Barnabas and Peter, 
and they're all eating ham sandwiches in Galatia, and then the, the Jewish Christians from Jerusalem come, and so then Barnabas and Peter go over to the non-ham sandwich table because they have pressure from Jewish Christians because, you know, they didn't believe in eating a pork, even though Peter had had the vision that he could have barbecue. You know, that's the simple theology of that. But part, uh, so we know we can have barbecue, guys, okay? But, uh, but here Paul is telling Peter, who met and was called by Christ before, is telling him, hey, you're wrong, you know? So Paul and Barnabas got into it over Mark, and then later, so they split ways, and Barnabas, his name means encourager, okay? So that, you know, they split ways. They're brothers in Christ. Barnabas takes Mark, but Mark gets with Peter later, and we know that Paul says, hey, send Mark to me because... I found him useful. So we see a lot of grace going on there. Hey, I can't handle this person. You go with them. You grow them. I'm going to go this way. But it was neat, the full circle. And so he's greeting, he's greeting someone in, in Rome that, you know, he doesn't want to get him in trouble. And Mark, he talks about his son. And, and so in the world, he talks about here, we're going to talk about greetings. We're to be in the world and not of the world. Grace brings redemption so we can be in the world again and, and minister grace. So let's look at this greeting here. We've got two greetings, and some of you are going to get uncomfortable with the next one. <laughs> that greeting goes deeper. He's physically greeting them in, in 13, and now this is getting kind of funky for us American 21st century Christians. He's commanding us to love. Let's go to 14. Greet one another with a kiss of love. Peace to all of you who are in Christ. Okay, I've shared this story before, but I'm in the uh, waiting room. Uh, my father-in-law a long time ago was having surgery, and, and I'm not trying to pick on the Amish. They're cool, you know, and they also make some cool stuff, you know. And um, uh, so uh, I'm in there, and the Amish, I guess, are in there because one of the Amish people was in the hospital. And so as they, there's some Amish people already in the waiting room, and then some other Amish people come in, and these are guys, and they kiss each other on the mouth. Well, I'm not doing that with any of you, whether guy or girl, because no telling where you guys have all been, okay? They'll say, all right, I don't hardly even drink after anybody, okay? Um, but here's the deal. This is mentioned over and over again in the Bible. Now, am I going to tell you we're being unbiblical because we don't kiss each other on the mouth? No, okay? But... This is talking about a closeness. It's to salute, to embrace. You non-huggers, I, I have a family of non-huggers. I love my wife. She's wonderful. But her and my boys, I, I even try to bait them sometimes. I love you. Just to hear them say I love you back, maybe. Okay, I'm not talking about Heather. She's good about that. But the rest of them, forget it. But like my dad and my brother, and they do it on purpose too to my boys, you know, they'll say, I love you. And our family hugs. And some of you are huggers and other of you, you just need to get right. Okay? All right. But, 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 but it's not just talking about the physical hugging. I'm not, again, if you weren't a friendly church, you probably would have heard about it by now. And some of you, when it comes to new people, you probably scare them to death because you're on them like white on rice, okay? And, and that's okay, but there's a lot of different ways we can embrace people. A smile, a hug, 
if you come and kiss me on the mouth, you're going to face the seminary ring. Okay? All right? Um, uh, but whatever. It's like, whoa! Okay? <laughs> Bow! Oh, I'm sorry your mouth hurts. You can't kiss me. Okay. But, uh, but the thing about it is you salute, you embrace, you draw oneself to, you welcome, you receive joyfully. All of you are wired different. Some of us have to learn to maybe come out of our comfort zone because of the Holy Spirit. But who wants to be a part of a body that is not welcoming? Guys, this world is rough, and for some of you, your physical family is not there. And we believe, and we know by the word, God established the church, regardless of a generation that's saying, I don't need church, that's a loud pit of hell, and they're in sin. Because in Acts, it talks about the church was developed. And the church is not just us meeting together here in this moment, even though this is biblical. The church is the family of God. And there's been times where your family, some of you are blessed with good families, but a lot of you are not. And we should be the most, uh, we should be tight with the family of God. Again, I'm not going the Amish route. Go for you, Amish. I'm glad you're okay with that, okay? But embracing, greeting, receiving joyfully. The kiss with which was a sign of fraternal affection, Christians were accustomed to welcome or dismiss their companions in faith. You know, we shake hands, we talk to each other. That's what I love about, you know, our church. It's like most of you just don't run out the door, either before, after, and during your... You're spending time and, and you're embracing each other in fellowship, and that's a good thing. The family of affection, that kiss, kind actions, gentleness, caring words, both in word and deed. So your next fill-in, to continue to grow in grace and peace takes an ongoing love for one another. Let's just get real here. Why would a lost person want anything to do with a family that doesn't love each other? talking about the family of God. And John says, we're going to be known by our love. So you might need to work on your greeting. And again, you come at me to kiss. It's, anyway, all right. Okay, <laughs> but anyway. Stop it now, Larry. Okay, that, le <laughs> that leads the goal. I'm just picking on you. Leads the goal we begin and end with. Look at verse 14. So he says, greet one another with the kiss of love. Peace to all of you who are in Christ Jesus. Peace, rest, quietness to all who are in Christ Jesus. I want you to understand this. No, N-O, Jesus. No, N-O, peace. But if you know Jesus, K-N-O-W, then you will, K-N-O-W, know peace. And so here's the, here's the problem that we're dealing with. Notice what he says in the end of verse 14. Peace to all of you who are in Christ Jesus. This is the issue that the lost are dealing with, which is where we were when we were lost, is they're trying to find peace and happiness in the sinking sands of life. And this world is broken, and people will let you down, and things will let you down, and life will let you down, and that's not peace. And they'll, and they'll sit there and try to find temporary happiness at most. Notice the key. It's you who are in Christ. We need to stand together. We need to face trials and suffering in the world. And we need to, we need to choose to live with peace. 
Your next fill-in, boy, he's getting close to this. Well, we're summarizing, okay? It is what it is, you know? Okay, <laughs> the only way we grow is to grow with peace in Christ alone. Think about this. He wants us to grow, multiply, in grace and peace. Okay, you need to ask the question of yourself, am I receiving the grace of God? Am I giving the grace of God? Am I living in the grace of God? Is it growing in my life? Because sometimes the older we get, we're like, I ain't giving them no grace. I want grace, but I'm not giving them any. Multiply. And then remaining faithful. A lot of you guys have been pushed around. And with society today, it's pushing on you, whether it's family or job or, or everything. Oh, I've got to go along to get along. Hmm. How are they going to know who the true Jesus is if you're watering down his gospel, if you're watering down his word? And then what about a greeting? Now, I know some of us come off gruff, and some of us don't. Okay, that's just our personality or whatever, but guess what? Now, this is what bothers me. In some places, I'm not trying to pick it, but in the Joplin area, I'm going to pick on them for a minute. Okay, there's a lot of personality tests. Okay, there's the animal personality test, okay, and uh, it's think, I think you have a lion, a beaver, an otter, I forget what the other one is, oh, a golden retriever, okay, and there was a time when I was a youth minister, I was the otter, we're just having fun, and then, and then I think I've leaned now more towards the otter lion kind of thing because I had to. Well, in Joplin, when we were there, and it's still, a bit, I heard somebody talking about the other day, we were talking to a friend from Joplin, they were talking about their color. Some of you have heard of the color code. Go look it up. You can take the test, don't pay for it, because if you can't figure out yourself by now, you're in trouble. Okay, but, um, but anyway, they were talking about, I'm a yellow, or I'm a blue, or a red is the person that wants to be in charge. A blue is just kind of the worker, a little bit like uh, a yellow is the fun person and the white is the peaceful person. A lot of times we're a mixture of that. But what I found in Joplin, a lot of different churches were doing these color codes and they were saying, well, I'm a, I'm a red. I'm, I'm, I'm at large and in charge, so you just kind of have to deal with it. Really? Okay, so maybe that's you. So maybe you're red, large and in charge. So now you know what you are. What if Jesus tells you to be a servant? Oh, I'm a red. I'm just made this way. No, obey. And just because you're a red, be a servant. Oh, I'm peaceful. I don't ever get in fights. Well, what if God didn't tell you to get in a fight, but told you to talk to somebody about the gospel? Because there's some people, I, was, I had a chaplain friend, according to his record, he was totally white. That's kind of hard when you're a chaplain. In the sense of just a peaceful person, it's good, but there's sometimes you've got to say, get out of there, or I need to help you with this. What I'm trying to say is this. You find out what your personality is. What was happening over there was they were like, well, I'm red, so just deal with it. Really? What if God tells you, hey, you're, you're too forceful. You might need to shut up and obey and serve. Or what if, oh, I'm peaceful. I don't want to mess with anybody. But what if God says, it's time for you to speak up? Now let's go into embracing and ongoing love. You may have a base person. You're not a hugger. That's okay. You're not a person that says, I love you. That's okay. You may come off gruff, but there's a point. Either way, whatever is easy, whatever you've been based with, how are you doing on loving the family of God? I mean, let's, let's be honest. I, I know not here, but we can get on each other's nerves sometimes, maybe. 
You know, the family of God's big. And we got a lot of cousin Eddie's, okay? All right, you know, and the big family of God. I'm talking about universal. But God tells us to embrace, to love. Because why would a dying world if we're not loving our brothers and sisters in Christ want anything? And that also includes, I've been in churches where it may not be physically divided down the middle, but one church I went into as youth minister as we, after we got out of cemetery or seminary, whatever you want to call it, we go in there, oh, this lady and this lady, they've been fighting for years. They used to be best friends. And literally, it wasn't the fact that the church was divided, but everybody knew. And boy, they wouldn't talk to each other. And it wasn't a Paul and Barnabas situation where one went somewhere. You know, that's sin. All right? Now, there's times, I don't mean this in a bad way, people have left and they've been blessed and we've been blessed and vice versa. And they're growing where they need to be or vice versa. But you may need to ask the question, is there somebody in the family of God that I need to make things right with? And then your last thing here, um, with peace in Christ alone. We've been looking at this for seven months, and my goodness, this is kind of a Debbie Downer in First Peter because, like, you're going to suffer. It's not like, hey, I'm going to get you out of it. Hey, life's not going to be hard. And that's the biggest problem I feel in Christianity, that, hey, come to Jesus and everything's going to be all right. How's that going for you? Okay. Not me, but I know I'm saved, I know I'm blessed, I know it doesn't end like this. And when you're making a decision, have you ever had to make a decision where it was just cruddy either way? And Psalms 25.4, I use that a lot when I'm trying to make a decision and share with people. Show me the path where I should walk, O Lord, and lead me along the road I should travel. There's a lot of times in life you have to make, it's just a cruddy decision, but you have peace because it's a godly decision, all right? With peace in Christ. What kind of peace are you looking for today? Worldly peace, that's not peace. So let's look at our questions before we have a time of closing. Yeah, you've been dealing with 1 Peter for that long, so I guess it's a little shorter today, but today I got a question for you. Are you growing and multiplying in grace and peace? I need to give more grace. You may need to pray today at the altar here in a little bit. You may need to go to somebody and say, hey, I'm sorry I didn't give you grace. I was kind of tired the other day. I had a great time with my family, but I was being sarcastically mouthy. And it was my family, but it still wasn't right. <laughs> okay, but uh, <laughs> when I'm tired and people laugh, don't. Uh, it's not a good combination. So how uh, are you growing and multiplying in peace and grace? Your next one. Um, are you remaining faithful? Faithful to his word. Faithful to following him. Not giving in to the pressure of the world on what they say, this is what you should believe as a Christian now. I'm sorry, you need to go to God's word and that settles it. It doesn't change. And so, are there any areas in your life you're not remaining faithful? Your next question. Are you continuing in love? Oh, this is going to push on some of you. Really? I've got to smile and talk to that person. I've got to come out of my comfort zone, especially in these times when we're into our phones, we're into, we've, now we've got the mask, and I'm not getting political here. I'm just saying, I want you to understand, 
what is happening here. God designed us for a relationship with him and with people, and Satan is trying to separate us from both, God and others. 20% of people that attended the church left during COVID and are not coming back. That is a solid fact. Most people would say they were on their way out. Just this gave them. And I'm, I'm sorry, it's not about coming here and seeing me. It's the fact that we need each other physically. But every, I'm not against phones. I'm not against all this. But if we do not use these things responsibly, we'll be into our phone. Oh, it's fun to not have your headphones on and be in society and act like you're listening to somebody, something so some, nobody bothers you. It's fun to look at your phone so nobody bothers you. Not that I've done that. Okay. Uh, but you see what, you see what I'm talking about here? How many times, and I have to guard it too, and I love you guys, and I love people, but how many times is it easier just like, hmm, I'm just going to act like I'm not here? How, are you continuing in love? The next question, are you finding peace in Christ? I've had to learn Psalms 112.7. He, uh, he is not afraid of bad news. His heart is firm because he trusts in you. I'm always... My personality, I'm always waiting for the other shoe to drop. My personality, it's like when I hear the, hey, i got to tell you this, but, okay? And you know what? That's wrong. I'm talking about myself. Because my peace is on, hey, uh, is anybody bothering me? My peace is on, hey, is the dryer working or not? My pe you know, those kind of things. It's the little stupid things, and it is. I, we got it fixed. Thank you. Okay. But uh, <laughs> hopefully. I haven't done a load of laundry yet, but we're going to, hey, I'm not crossing my fingers, but let's start a prayer circle. But anyway, but, <laughs> but what are you finding your peace in? The absence of that my car's working right or my family's working right. Because guess what? Like I said, you're either going into trouble, in the middle of trouble, or coming out of trouble. And he said, in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. For I have overcome the world, and I have given you peace. 1 Corinthians 2.2 2 says this, For I have decided to concentrate only on Christ Jesus and his death on the cross. Isaiah 26.3 says this, He will keep in perfect peace all whose thoughts are fixed on him. So, guess what? Are you finding your peace in Christ or question mark? Family, finances, lack of trouble, you won't find it. Something's going to happen. Don't sit there and be chicken little and the sky is falling, which felt like that the last few years. Just look at Christ. Look at Christ. Focus on Christ. And like Peter, when you focus on him, you're walking on water. When you don't and you listen to the waves and, and you look at the waves and hear the wind, you're going to sink. Those are questions I want you to think about today as we stand to our feet and have a time of invitation. I appreciate a good church that has gone through 1 Peter with us. And again, I hope you've been blessed, and I think it's been very pertinent on what we're dealing with. And, and so we're going to have a time of invitation. If you need, to pray, need me to pray for you or you want to become a part of this body of believers, you've received Christ as Savior, you've followed in uh, believers' baptism, whatever you need, make these choices today to find and to grow in grace and peace. Lord, I thank you for this church. and. I just pray as we've looked at these questions, I ask, look at our heart, and however we need to be obedient to you, that we'll be obedient to you today. In your name, Jesus, amen.